Salvete omnes, welcome to the AP Latin Podcast. The goal of this podcast will be to cover the lines from Caesar's De Bello Gallico and Virgil's Aeneid that are found on the AP Latin curriculum. Each two-part episode will cover a selection of lines from Caesar and Virgil. I will present the Latin and English of the text, providing relevant clarification, background, and cultural information that will help put the readings in their proper context. I encourage you to read along with me as you listen to the Latin and to use the English as a way to check your understanding rather than relying on the English for understanding. Each episode will conclude with some essential questions to consider as you process through the meaning of the text. Parati, eamos. AP Latin Podcast, Episode 7b, Aeneid Book 1, Lines 418 to 440. In this episode, you will watch Carthage grow before your very eyes, and you will see that Virgil has a thing for bees. Corripuera vien teria quas semita monstrat, yam quas scendebant colem qui plurimus urbi eminet, adversas quas spectat de super arces. Miratur molae neas magalia quondam, miratur portas trabitumquet strata viarum, instant ardentes tirii, pars ducaramuros, moliri quarquet manibus subvoluere saxo. Pars optare locum tectet concludere solco, jura magistratusque legunt sanctumque senatum. Hic portus ali efodiunt hic alta theatris, fundamenta locant ali imanes que columnas, rupibus excidunt scainis decor alta futuris. Qualis apes aestate noa per floria rura exercet sub sole labor, cum gentis adultos, Educunt fetus aut cum liquintia melas dipant, et dulci destendunt nectaricelas. Aut, onera cipiunt veniuntaut agmine facto, ignaum fucos pecus a praesepibus arcent, verwet opus redolentque timo fraglantia mela. O fortunati quorum yamunia surgunt, aeneas ait et fastigia suspicit urbis, infert se saeptus nebula, mirabile dictu, Permedios misquetque viris neque cernitur uli. Meanwhile, they took up the road where the path showed them, and now they were ascending a hill which loomed over much of the city and looked down from above on the opposite citadels. Aeneas marvels at the mass, once huts. He marvels at the gates and the noise and the paving of the roads. The burning Tyrians press on, part to lead out the walls and to fortify the citadel and to roll up stones by hand part to choose a place for a building and to enclose it with a ditch. They choose laws and magistrates and a sacred senate. Here, some people dig out ports. Here, others place the deep foundations of a theater and cut out immense columns from cliffs, tall decorations for future scenes. Like work trains bees in the new summer through the flowery countryside under the sun, when they lead out the adult offspring of their race, or when they stuff liquid honey and stretch the cells with sweet nectar, or they accept the loads of those coming in, Or, with a battle line drawn, they keep the drones, a lazy swarm, away from the hive. The work glows, and the fragrant honey smells of thyme. O fortunate ones whose walls are already rising, Aeneas says and looks up at the summits of the city. He bears himself wrapped in a cloud, marvelous to say, through the middle of them, and he mixes with men and he is not seen by anyone. This section jumps ahead a couple hundred lines. In the passed-over lines, Jupiter unrolls the scroll of fate and reviews the future awesomeness that will be Rome. Meanwhile, back in Libya, 
Aeneas and faithful Akates are exploring the surrounding area when they run into Aeneas's mother Venus, except they don't know it's her because she has disguised herself as a local girl. They inquire as to their whereabouts and learn that they are near Carthage, ruled by Queen Dido. Venus in disguise then tells Aeneas, and by extension us, Dido's origin story. That she was married to a wealthy Phoenician named Sicius. That her brother Pygmalion, greedy for Sicius's wealth, secretly murdered him and hid the body. That Sicius's ghost came to her in a dream, told her everything, and urged her to take his treasure and leave with anyone who would follow her. That she stole a ship and sailed to North Africa, where she is in the process of overseeing the building of a new city named Carthage. Venus tells them to follow a nearby path to reach the city, and then as she turns away she reveals her true goddess form and vanishes. Aeneas whines for a bit, but then continues down the path. What he sees as he scales the hill is the growing city of Carthage, and Aeneas stands awestruck, gaping at the sight. Virgil enhances the scene with anaphora of Miratur, Pars, Hic, and Alii. He also uses polysyndeton and some alliteration. The scene is also beautifully constructed because Virgil causes the city to grow before your eyes as you read his description. At the beginning, Aeneas looks at the city, de super, down from above. And then, after we've read all about walls and streets and buildings and columns and bees, Aeneas fastigia suspicit urbis. He looks up at the peaks of the city. Where we began above looking down on the fledgling city, it is as though it has grown tall before our very eyes, and we have to look up now to take it all in. After his description of the growing and bustling city, Virgil uses an extended simile to paint another image of the activity going on in the scene, that of a beehive. The simile of the bees is one of the most famous passages in the Aeneid, both because the simile so aptly captures the non-stop activity that Aeneas sees, and because Virgil wrote about bees before the Aeneid. In the Georgics, the work of pastoral poetry that immediately preceded the Aeneid, Virgil devotes most of the fourth book to bee culture, where he writes about how bees act around their hive, which serves almost like a prototype of the lines he writes in the Aeneid. Listen to the Latin from the Georgics and compare just how much Virgil reuses verbatim in the Aeneid, lines that he wrote originally in the Georgics. Aliae spem gentis adultos educunt fetus, aliae purissima mala stipant et liquido distendunt nectare celas. Sunt quibosad portas cecidit custodia sorti, inque vicem speculantur aquas et nubile caeli. Aut onora cibiunt veniunt aut agmine facto, igna vum fucos pecus a praesepibus arcent. Ferwet opus redolentque temo fragrantia mela. Another piece of interesting info about Virgil's fanboying over bees is that he gets most of his factual information wrong. Bees don't really work the way that he describes. But regardless of whether he is accurate or not, the poetic imagery still works. The bustling activity inside the emerging city of Carthage looks like a swarm of bees around their hive. After looking at all of this, Aeneas gets jealous because the Carthaginians are doing what he is supposed to be doing already, namely building a new city. Aeneas then descends into the crowd, but he is concealed magically in a cloud of invisibility sent by his mother, so nobody sees him as he makes his way towards the center of the city and his inevitable meeting with Dido. As we close out the episode, here are some essential questions to consider. As Aeneas and Akates approach Carthage, they are awed by what they see. What is remarkable about the construction of the city and the activities the Carthaginians are engaged in? 
Virgil uses a simile comparing the Carthaginian laborers to bees and notes several of the activities that bees typically engage in. How effective is the parallel suggested by this simile? Are there any areas where the comparison works especially well or fails to work? Walls are an important symbol in Roman thought and tradition, representative of stability, permanence, defense, boundaries, and civilization. What meaning might the Carthaginian walls have for Aeneas? What meaning might the Carthaginian walls have had for the Carthaginians themselves? Caesar and Virgil both describe the logistics of getting a group of people laboring together. Caesar with the Helvetian migration plans and Virgil with the construction of Carthage. How are these descriptions similar to and different from each other? Gratias ago pro auscultando, valete.